Thank you for listening to the Reclaim Church podcast. We hope that this message is a blessing to your life. For more information on our church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX. Now please enjoy this message. Uh, what a what a an amazing day that we were celebrating today, the resurrection of Jesus. And and you know, throughout this week I, I've just been kind of thinking about it and really praying about, man, how 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 can we say this message and how can we preach this and and really give it the 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 honor that it's due this day that it, all the, and all that it represents and and just in prayer I really begin to come to this conclusion and this decision on the scripture on the story of all of us beginning to understand and remembering the significance of this moment the the weight of this story that Jesus is alive and so we're continuing our, our sermon series called Living Hope, and, and really the, the title of the message is very simple. It's Jesus is Alive, and, and this is something we, we celebrate every time we get together, every time we worship, every time you're, you're in your prayer time or your own personal worship moments, your own devotion. This is what we celebrate. We celebrate that our God is alive. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 14, it says, And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. This is not just another holiday. This is not just another Sunday. This is not just another message. What we're talking about today is the very foundation of our faith. That our God is a living God. It's a reminder of, of again, the significance. It's a reminder of the truth of what we believe in. And, and can, I, can I encourage you as a Christian, as a believer, can I encourage you, don't allow this, this story and this truth to become familiar to you. To where it becomes so familiar that we don't really carry the weight with us. We don't really understand the importance of it. This is the meaning of what we're talking about, is that our God is alive. We were at a small group the other day, and uh, I was on with, with Jose, and he said, man... This is one of the only religions or, or belief systems or, or, or even uh, just groups where we actually know and can speak to our founder. Our, our, our God is not a God who is deaf. He's not a God who is dead. He's not a God who ignores, but he is a God who is alive. And this was proven on the day that Jesus came back from the grave and he rose Three days after he was, he, was, he was on the cross. And so Psalms 115, 3-7 says, Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold. They work the work of human hands. They have mouths but do not speak. Eyes but do not see. They have ears but do not hear. Noses but do not smell. They have hands but do not feel. Feet but do not walk. And they do not make a sound in their throat. These are the, God, the, these are the little G gods. The gods of the world. The gods made um, by the, the hands of man. These gods have nothing on our God. These gods have no power. And I think sometimes we get caught up in the details of our faith. Of, of the details of ministry and, and coming to church and working those things out that sometimes, if we're not careful, we, we lose the, the significance of the truth that he rose from the dead, that, God, uh, that our God is a living God. And, and the truth is this, is that doubt amongst believers is a common thing. It's, it's, we all struggle with a level of doubt. Now, some of us 
more so than others. But every one of us have wrestled with our flesh and what we believe concerning the resurrection of Jesus. In Luke chapter 24, verse 1 through 4 says, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in and they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus, while, while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And we're going to continue with that story in just a minute. But can we take this moment very quickly to, to pray? So if you're in your home or wherever you're at, why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes and ask the Lord to speak to you. Father, we thank you for this moment together. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, that we have, we, we have you and you are a living God. You hear us, God. You see us and you love us. I pray at the end of this message, at the end of this, at the end of this day, we would celebrate the truth of your resurrection. Lord Jesus, you, are, you, you died on the cross for our sins, but Lord, you did not stay dead. You came back. Lord, you rose from the grave and solidified your truth of who you are. And so, Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you. And I ask that you'd speak through the message, God. I pray that you'd help me to portray what you want to say, God. Not my thoughts, not my opinions, but let it be led by your spirit. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we see in Luke chapter 24, they come to the, they come to the grave. And what I find interesting is they came, they came ready to prepare the body of Jesus for permanent death. They came with the sense of, okay, we, we're, we're going to take care of his body so it doesn't rot and it doesn't smell. We're going to make sure he's taken care of. They, they, the disciples, even when they heard he was alive, as we're going to read further into the scripture, they didn't believe it. The, the women, the, the angels came and they, they revealed to the women, hey, Jesus is not here. He's risen from the grave. He's alive. And the women go and they tell the disciples, and the disciples didn't believe it. Even after Jesus had told them all these things about him dying and coming back, all, all, all of these moments that Jesus had with them, and we see in Matthew 16, 21, from that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the, on the third day be raised. Jesus was already telling them, hey, this is going to happen. I'm going to die. It's going to be a terrible, terrible day, but I'm going to come back. I'm going, to ra- I'm going to be raised from the dead. But even after they had heard all these things, the teachings of Jesus, they still had a hard time believing that he actually did it. And I think if anything is relatable in Scripture, it's this doubt. And we all, again, we all have to wrestle with this doubt within our minds and understanding that Jesus rose from the grave. Think about this, guys. How, how often do we say that with, like, Oh, yeah, he's, he's alive. Yeah, yeah, he rose from the dead, right? Like, yeah, cool. Now what? But that, that truth within itself is the very foundation of why we've built the churches and, and why we disciple and why we spread the gospel is because this is a truth. And we all struggle with that doubt. But can I encourage you this morning that even if you're watching and you're like, man, I don't really believe that. I don't really know in my heart if that is true. Can I tell you this, that God is not afraid of our doubts? Our doubts do not scare him away. In fact, God is patient with us, and he gives us opportunity to believe. Luke chapter 24, verse 25 through 27, this is, I'm not going to read the whole, the whole story. I, I encourage you to read it when you, when you have a chance. But Jesus comes back from the dead. He sees two people walking on the road, and he basically asks them, okay, what happened? Because they were sad, and they start telling him, man, you don't know what's going on, man, like, Jesus just died, and, and we believed him to be the Messiah. We believed that he was going to come and rescue us, and now he's dead. 
not even knowing that they were talking to Jesus. And this is the response that Jesus had with them. He said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Even within their doubt, Jesus was like, okay, you heard all the prophets. You didn't believe them. Now let me teach you. Let me walk you through these moments of doubt within your own life. Jesus is not afraid of that. God is not sitting on his throne and saying, okay, while you doubt, I'm just going to, that's going to be it. No, no, we all wrestle with a little level of doubt, but we have to come to a recognition of this story, the truth and the weight of this story that Jesus is alive. That he is alive today. You have access to him today. You can talk to him today. And this, this, is, this is the reality of the situation is within our own self and within our own flesh, we will never grasp the, the importance and the significance and the truth of this story. In, within the, the scripture says that the things of the spirit are foolish to those that are in the flesh. When we try to understand spiritual things within our own flesh, it will never make sense to us. It will, it, will never, it will never click in our heads like, oh, yeah, that is logical, and that makes logical sense to my flesh. That's not how these things work. It has to be a revelation that is led by the Holy Spirit. To come to this moment of saying, okay, I believe it. I believe it. It's by revelation through the Holy Spirit. Matthew 28, 1 through 8 says, Now after the Sabbath, towards the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell the disciples. Again, these women were coming to prepare his body for, the, for burial, for death. But the angel of the Lord comes even in their moment of fear and worry and really despair because their Savior was killed on the cross. He comes and he gives them a revelation of what had happened. He comes and he begins to tell them the truth of what happened. See, in our doubts, in our despair, in our fear, in our worry of what tomorrow holds and what's going to happen, all these different things, God does not leave us on our own. He doesn't leave us on our own in our doubt. He doesn't leave us on our own in our fear. God gave these women the answer. They were searching, and it says they were perplexed, and they, were, they didn't know what was going on. So God sent an angel down and said, hey, this is what happened. Jesus is now living. He is alive. See, the goodness of God is, he, is that he will reach you and reach out to you and give you an opportunity for revelation. He'll give you an opportunity to understand what he's doing, to understand the truth of this story. In John 16, 12 through 13, it says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. 
John 7, 39 says, Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. See, the Holy Spirit was sent here after Jesus ascended into heaven, and he wasn't just sent here to give us goosebumps or to, to give us a, a, an, an emotional feeling of the, of the Spirit of God. No, the Holy Spirit was sent here to reveal these things to us. It says that they couldn't, they really couldn't understand all the things that he was doing because they hadn't been, they hadn't received the Spirit yet. Now we have the Spirit and we've received the Holy Spirit, and it's the Holy Spirit who reveals the things of God to us. All of the answers, all of the worries, and all of our doubts, all of our questions to God, we can go before him because now we have access to the Holy Spirit who reveals God to us. And so even if you're in doubt, even if you're struggling with your faith. And Easter Sunday, I know this is like a perfect time to talk about faith. It's a perfect time to talk about doubt. You look at, you talk, you talk about the disciples, all of them doubted. They all doubted that Jesus was going to come back. And they were walking with him in the physical world. They were, they were close to him. They, were, they saw him die. They saw all that come to pass, but yet they still doubted. So it's, it's no secret that even on resurrection day, there sometimes is still doubt within the believer. Even in the day we're supposed to celebrate what he has done, there still is a little bit of doubt within our lives. And, and, and listen, this is the good thing about Jesus is, is in order to receive revelation, all you need to do is ask. We just have to ask him. Matthew 7, 7 through 11 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock it will, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be open. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in, who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Just ask God, even beyond your doubt. Even beyond your situation and your frustration and your worry and your fear, we can all come to this moment of saying, God, I just want to believe. I just want to believe. There's a story in the book of Mark chapter 9, and this, this man has a, has a son who is, who is possessed by an evil spirit. And long story short, Jesus is, is basically comes on the scene, and the man tells Jesus, like, hey, if you can heal my son, can you please do that? And Jesus is like, well, what do you mean, if? Of course I can. And the man's response, I love it because it's so relatable. He says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. It's almost like that I want to, want to. Right? Like there's something in me, God, that believes just a little bit. But there's also some, something inside of my heart that says maybe this all isn't really true. Maybe this is just man-made religion. Or maybe this is just, a, just something that people just believe. But no, no. We all struggle with that. Come to the Lord and say, God, I believe, but help my unbelief. When you need revelation, seek the Spirit. When you need truth revealed to your heart, seek the Spirit of God. Because it's the Holy Spirit that reveals these things to us, guys. We just have to ask. I've had so many circumstances within my own life where I've said, God, I believe, but there's a lot of doubt in me. And there's a lot of unbelief in my heart. There's a lot of unbelief that I struggle with. God, could you please reveal yourself to me? Could you please show me the truth, God? Even when it came to this, this, this story and this, and this service and, and this sermon, I remember just 
praying in, 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 as I was preparing and saying, God, can you show me the weight of this story? God, I don't want it to just be another Sunday or another Easter. I don't want it to just be another message, God. I want us to grasp this, the weight and the significance and the importance of this truth. And we can't say it enough, and I know it's being said all across our nation today, is that Jesus is alive. He's alive. Like, right now, you can know him personally. It's this revelation that the Holy Spirit gives to us. And it changes the way that we approach God. It changes the way we approach our belief system. It changes the way that we live our life. Because when I understand that he's alive, what does it do? It solidifies everything else that he said in scripture. And so now I can approach God with confidence because he's alive. I can establish a prayer life because he's alive. I can, I can worship him and he hears me because he's alive when I'm stuck in, in sadness or when I'm stuck in anger, I can go to him because he's alive. My God is not dead. Our God is not dead. When we sing worship songs, and, and you may even be at your house, and you're like, man, I feel a little bit foolish lifting my hands by myself, or I feel a little bit foolish singing by myself, but can I tell you, you are not singing or worshiping a God who is dead. This revelation that the Holy Spirit gives us opens our eyes to say, man, if he's alive, then what I'm asking for, he can do. He's conquered death. Like, that's why as Christians, again, we're not talking about the virus much today, but as Christians, we don't have to be afraid of death because our God has already conquered death. It's already, it's already been conquered. Jesus already taken care of these things for us because he is alive. And it's like, man, how many, how many times are you going to say that in your message today? Well, I'm going to say it a lot. Because that is the basis of the, of the day. That is what we celebrate, is that God is alive. And this revelation, what it does, when we grasp, grasp what has happened and we understand, okay, he's, he's a living God. What it does is it leads us from revelation to live a life of appreciation. 20, Matthew 28, 9 through 10 says, And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. This is the women. Imagine that. Like you go to the tomb, it's empty. And the angel's like, Hey, go, go tell the disciples. And on your way, Jesus is like, Greetings. <laughs> like, what's up, guys? You know, like that's uh, anyway. So that, that would be insane. That'd be so crazy. And they came, and the women came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. And there they will see me. As soon as they realized what had happened, their response to the resurrection was worship. Their response is seeing the fact that Jesus is alive. He's in front of me. I saw him die on the cross. I saw everything that happened to him. I saw him then put him in the tomb. And now he's standing before me. Their response was worship. And I, I look at it this way, like, yeah, the resurrection is a celebration. It, man, and it is a significant moment. But I, but I think something in them worshipped because he was alive and it solidified everything he had said to them while he was walking with them. You talk about forgiveness of sin. You talk about knowing God and being one with God, abiding in God. 
You talk about being an heir of, of what, what God had promised. You talk about being, again, cleansed of all of your sins, all of your guilt, all of your shame. All these things that he had preached, that we talk about, that we often in messages and sermons, we're always saying, man, God has forgiven you. You know, Rob said it today, you're a new creation. All these things, the teachings of Jesus, now standing in front of him is the risen Savior. So because he conquered death, that means everything else he said was true. Because now he's living proof, saying, what I was telling you before, I'm now living it out. And I, I came back from the dead to show you that I'm just as powerful as I've been saying. And so this revelation of what had happened, it wasn't just that he rose from the dead. It was that he conquered death. And what was death? Death is the punishment of sin. He conquered the punishment of our sin. And he's standing before them. And so this revelation has to lead us to appreciation or it has to lead us to a lifestyle of worship. Now I'm, I'm reminded that I can have eternity with Christ. Now I'm reminded that nothing that I've done in my past or even my present or my future will be held against me because of the blood of Jesus. All my shame, all my mistakes, all my failures, all the things that I wish I can go back and take care of and get rid of and never do them. All those things have been cleansed and washed. How amazing is that? I could, say, I could tell you right now, if we're in this building right now, we'd be jumping and celebrating. Because it's such a, it's such, it doesn't make sense. Like, why would God do this for me? It doesn't, it doesn't add up. I've heard um, from some of my, my, one of my friends, named Pastor Caleb, and, and his church, Deeper Fellowship, they have, they, they were saying this thing that God is a God of the, un, he, he does unfair trades. And, I, and I, they, they're preaching on that. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so true. It's like Jesus is alive. And it's not just that he's alive, but, but that he, he's, he's done everything he said he would do. Colossians 1, 13 through 14 says, He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. From the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of His Son. Think about that. We don't belong in the kingdom of God. We don't, we don't belong there. Like, even for me as a pastor, I don't belong here. For those in ministry and living a clean life, we don't belong there. We deserve the punishment of our sins. We deserve the punishment of our mistakes. We deserve the punishment that should be on us. But because he rose from the dead, what is he telling us? He's saying, I took your punishment. Because anybody could have said it and died. But only God can come back. So what is he saying? I took your punishment. I took it for you. Imagine this. Imagine the doctors are giving you a, 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 just a terrible report and saying, man, you're sick. You're going to die. There's nothing we can do for you. You're going to die in a week. And this guy comes along and he's like, hey, you know what? I'll take that for you. I'll take that sickness for you. Imagine you, you, can, you get the virus that we're all talking about. And somebody comes, hey, give that to me. I'll take it. I'll, I'll be sick for you so you can be well. I, imagine this, this unfair trade. This, the reality of the resurrection is that Jesus took our punishment. It, it's solidifying the fact that on the cross, our punishment fell on his shoulders. 
And can I tell you that this, this, the sad part about this, guys, and I'm not trying to be rude or mean, but the sad part about it is most of Christians take advantage of the cross. Most of us sometimes will live a life not of appreciation, but of selfishness and being self-centered. But I don't want to lose my appreciation for what he's done. I don't want to lose it. I don't want to miss out. I don't, I don't, want, to, I don't want to take the, take the gift of the cross and, and, and the power of the resurrection and just live a normal, mundane life. I want to live a life of appreciation. I'm, I want to be thankful. I don't want to complain about everything. I don't want to be that, that guy that just complains about this and complains about that and, and, and complains about the neighbors and, and, the, and the, the markets and everything that's going on. No, no. Do we live a life of appreciation knowing what he's done for us? Because what he's done should change the way that we live. It should change our perspective of, of our situations and our, and our life, really. And living a lifestyle of appreciation is living a life, a life that's being content in what you have. Being satisfied with what God is doing. Living a lifestyle of worship. A lifestyle of worship saying, God, everything that I do, I want it to give you glory. I want to live my life in such a way where I'm showing appreciation for the cross every single day in the way that I treat my wife and the way that I treat my kids and the way that I treat my neighbors and my friends and the way that I talk and the, and the things that I do, the things that I watch, the things that I say. I want them to be out of my heart as worship for what he's done, not taking advantage of it and saying, oh, now I can, do, now I can sin because the blood covers me. Now I can go far, as far as I want into sin because I'll be forgiven and I can just repent. That's not the life that I want to live. I want to live a life of appreciation where it truly changes the way that I live. This is what, this is what the gospel is. It's revelation shows us what he's done. The Holy Spirit reveals it to us. This revelation leads, leads to a lifestyle of appreciation, of worshiping and living like he did rise. That he is alive. And this, it doesn't end there. And again, it goes into this, this idea of participation. The gospel story and the, the resurrection of Jesus is not a story that we're supposed to read and forget or read and just memorize. But it's a story that we're supposed to read and live out. In Matthew 28, 16 through 20, it says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee. To the, mount, to, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. It's a, it's a theme there, man. There's, there's doubt in this, in this day, unfortunately. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the story of the gospel. And I, I'm, I'm not sure who's watching. I don't have a count or anything like that of what's going on online. But maybe today you, you're, you're watching this. Maybe your family just sat you on the couch and said, hey, today can you watch, watch church with us? Or, or however you got here, maybe you're on the outside of this story. 
And he's saying, yeah, I've heard all those things before, and, 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 and I heard the story of the gospel and, and all that, but can I say that salvation is not just for those in Scripture, but salvation is for us today? That you can receive this gift of salvation. This is why Jesus came and why he died. Maybe you've never accepted this before. Maybe you, you've never really believed it before. But today, if any day, is the perfect day. Today is the perfect day to understand your role in, in the story of salvation. That, that when we come to Jesus and we surrender our lives before him, we say, God, I give you my life. Lord, I, I, I ask that you would, you would save me and cleanse me and forgive my sins. He is faithful to do it. But it takes surrender. It takes surrender and it takes faith to say, I believe. Now, you may not believe all the way, but you may believe just enough to say, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Maybe you're, you're, you've been a part of a church and you've been a part of religion, but you've never truly experienced the saving power of Jesus. Can I say that maybe today is your day to ask the Holy Spirit for revelation of who he is? And again, come to him and say, Lord, I want to know you. I want to receive this gift. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Have eternal life. Ephesians 2, 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. Maybe today the way that you could participate in this story is to give your life to Jesus. And to accept this free gift of salvation. This is, this is eternity. This is salvation forever. When you come to him, he forgives you of your sins. He washes you clean. He makes you new. It's... it's, it's it's Again, it's an unfair trade. It doesn't make sense. But this is the love of God. He so loved the world that he sent his only son to die on the cross for us, for the punishment of our sins, my sins and your sins. And then when he came and he rose on the third day, we celebrate it. We celebrate this moment because in that moment, again, he solidified the forgiveness and the power to cleanse and to forgive our sins. Maybe, maybe you are saved, but listen, we have a job to do, guys. We have a job to do when it comes to this story. As Jesus was about to ascend into heaven, the last thing he did was gave us an assignment. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. This assignment is for you and for me. It's for us to, to, to take heart and take hold of what he's done and say, Lord, I believe in what you've done. I know that you came back. I know that you raised from the dead. So because of this, God, I'm going to do my part in spreading the gospel. That's why we came to this church. That's why we started this church. We wanted to spread the gospel. Just hearing Rob's story today, and he's like, man, I've been saved for a year. So many things have changed in my life. I'm so blessed by that because that's why we're here. We're here that others would know about Jesus. That others would find hope, the same hope that we have in Christ. Matthew 5:13 through 16, it says, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, 
How shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. We've been assigned and we've been empowered to do the work of God. Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all, all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It's the Holy Spirit who, who gives us revelation of what he's done. It's the, Holy, it's the Holy Spirit who empowers us to live a life of appreciation. And it's the Holy Spirit who gives us the ability to live a life of participation and spreading the gospel. It's the Holy Spirit who empowers us. But this is the point. Listen. It all comes down to this. Matthew 27, 50 through 51. It says, as Jesus was, crying, was on the cross, he cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit or gave up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks were split. In the temple, there was a, a place called the Holy of Holies where the, where the Spirit of God would dwell. And I, and I believe that all, uh, one priest once a year was allowed in. It was not a place for the common people. It was not a place for people like you and I. It was a place that only certain people could enter into the presence of God. But on that day when Jesus gave up his spirit, when he gave up himself for us, says the veil was torn from top to bottom. I believe it was from the top to bottom to show us that God was the one tearing the veil. That God was the one saying, hey, the, the thing that you could not have access to before, the closeness to my spirit, the ability to touch me and to know me on a daily basis, on a personal level, that separation because of the cross, because of the death and the resurrection has been torn in two. And it's opened up so that we now have access to the Father. You have access to Jesus. This is why the whole gospel story from the beginning to the end, this is why. This is why he came. is so that we who were once enemies of God would no longer be enemies but be known as friends and sons and daughters. This was the story of the gospel for those who were caught up in sin and bound by sin and on our way to eternity and separation from God now are cleansed and forgiven and on our way to eternity with God. This is the gospel story. This is what we celebrate today. The heart of God is that many would be saved. The heart of God is that many would receive this revelation that he is risen, I'm forgiven, and I have purpose. And so today, we must recognize the significance of this story. We have to seek the Lord for revelation and let that, re that revelation live us, allow us to live a life of appreciation or a lifestyle of worship and gratitude for what he's done and understanding this, that we are supposed to be participating in what he's done. To say, okay, God, what is my role in spreading this gospel? Because I wasn't saved just to sit on my couch and do nothing, but I was saved to go into all the world and to preach the gospel, that many would come to the Lord, that many would be saved. We hope that you enjoyed this message. 
For more information on our church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX or check us out on our website, ReclaimChurchTX.com. Thank you for listening.